The Apostle Paul at His Desk, by Rembrandt, 1657. When any of you has a grievance against another, do you dare to take it to court before the unrighteous, instead of taking it before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels, to say nothing of ordinary matters? If you have ordinary cases, then, do you appoint as judges those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one person wise enough to decide between brothers and sisters? Instead, brothers and sisters go to court against one another, and this before the unbelievers. In fact, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, and brothers and sisters at that. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, men who engage in illicit sex, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you used to be. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. New Revised Standard Version the one constant which every church and each Christian will have to deal with until Jesus returns is the ever-present reality of sin. Sin isn't a word that is much used anymore, even among many Christians. This is both good and bad. It's good in the sense that we have expanded our vocabulary to better understand the concept and reality, and it's bad because we sometimes label something as different than what it really is. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthian church confronts the presence of sin within the congregation. The reason why the letter is so long is that Paul painstakingly deals with every sin that had taken root in the community. St. Paul at his writing desk by Rembrandt, 1630. In our New Testament lesson for today, Paul mentions some of those sins, especially tackling the unhealthy way the Christians were dealing with their internal strained relations of each other. One of the ways sin manifests itself is through confronting another's sin with our own sin. Yeah, it gets complicated pretty quickly when that happens. In other words, we too often try to meet a legitimate need through illegitimate means. That sort of practice is at the core of many a sinful attitude and action. So then, there were those in the Corinthian church who had legitimate grievances but sought to rectify the situation using secular means to handle a sacred need. Instead of focusing on restoration and relationship, utilizing the spiritual implements of gentleness and humility, they gave in to the temptation for retribution through unrighteous persons who would level judgment. None of this is intended for Christians to avoid the established court systems of the land. Rather, it is a warning not to punch somebody in the face when they slap you on the cheek. Seeking punishment isn't the way of Christ. Reconciliation and restoration has been achieved through the cross of Christ, and Paul expected the church to live as a new community based in mutual encouragement and accountability. Paul clearly saw the shadowy places of the human heart and understood that light needed to come to those hidden areas and he wasn't about to sit back and let bitterness spread like gangrene in the body of Christ. Sin is both things we do, 1 John 3 4, as well as things we leave undone, James 4 17. Sin is both the breaking of God's commands, and the lack of conforming to the teachings of Jesus. Christians throughout the ages have generally understood that the Ten Commandments, Exodus 21-17, and Christ's Law of Love, Luke 10 27, constitute a brief summary of God's holy and moral instruction for humanity. This is all based in the character of God as a holy and loving being. Sin, then, may be defined as anything in a person which does not express, or is contrary to, the basic character of God. All sin, whether in our actions or inactions, 
is rooted in an attitude and activity of self-centeredness, of thinking about ourselves as the center of the universe, rather than God. The Apostle Paul, by Rembrandt, 1633. The consequence of this sin brings about an obsession with lust, 1 John 8 34, Galatians 5 16, a broken relationship with God, Romans 3 23, Galatians 5 17, bondage to Satan, 1 Timothy 3 6 7, 2 Timothy 2 26, death, Romans 6 23, 8 6, hardening of the heart, Hebrews 3 13, and deception, 1 Corinthians 3 18, James 1 22, 26, just to a name a few. This means that we are guilty of transgressing basic morality, we fail to live into being ethically virtuous people on any sort of consistent basis. Yes, I know this all sounds like a total Debbie Downer. Well, actually, it's total depravity. But being depraved doesn't mean we are never capable of doing good, it just means that sin has profoundly touched everything in our lives, without exception. The ironic paradox is that experiencing true joy and satisfaction comes through knowing how great our sin is. We live above sin by being set free from it through the grace of God in Jesus Christ. In order to be redeemed from sin, a provision must be made, and sin has been dealt with, once and for all, through the person and work of Jesus. Christ is our representative, taking our place with the retribution we deserved, Galatians 4 4-5, Ephesians 2 5-6, Colossians 2 9-15, Hebrews 2 17-18, 1 John 2 1. Jesus Christ is our ultimate substitute, Romans 5 8, which resulted in our redemption, Galatians 5 13, which resulted in His sacrifice for sin satisfying all justice, Romans 3 25, which resulted in our reconciliation to God, Romans 5 10. Therefore the believer in Jesus is forgiven of sin because Christ's sacrifice is sufficient to deal with all the effects, consequences, and origin of sin. The sin issue has been handled decisively and definitively, the Christian is now complete in Christ, Colossians 2:10. Sin is awful. It ruins relationships and destroys everything it touches. Sin leaves terrible consequences in its wake and a bad aftertaste. Yet, sin does not have the last word, grace does. Christ's crucifixion and resurrection is the decisive blow to sin's power. The Church is built on this foundation of grace and reconciliation between God and people. Anything less is neither Christian nor a church but a country club of people plotting to get back at others while eating tartlets and talking gossip. The bad news is that sin is really bad, but the good news is that Christ is really good, and overcomes the worst that sin can throw at Him. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.